Well, good morning. My name is Jeff Mickey. I'm on staff here as well here at Orchard Church. And um, we are starting the next three weeks uh, to talk about our vision for this upcoming year for Orchard Hill Church. And I'm excited because we are doing this all together with all of our campuses at the same time. So this morning, we're streaming to Grundy Center and to Waverly. I want to say welcome to you in Grundy Center. Welcome to you uh, in Waverly as well. And welcome to all those who may be watching online as well as those of you here in the room. And um, uh, we are excited to kind of share this vision for you of uh, what the next year could look like for our church. So this morning, I want you to imagine you're sitting in the theater. That might be easier for you in Grundy Center, who worshiped in the theater for years. But you're sitting in the theater when previews of coming attractions begin, and the pictures of space fill the screen. Suspenseful music begins playing. And images of an egg covering about two-thirds of the screen over a starry black background. Lines begin to form at random above the egg. There's eerie sounds and stars start flying by. And the egg cracks and light flashes. The speed of the music, the intensity of the sound effects, the quickness of the edits picks up, cuts of close-ups of panicked faces of people in spacesuits. Sigourney Weaver runs through a space station. A cat, randomly enough, screeches. People are being tossed about, and then all of a sudden, silence. A wide shot of a planet. And the words fade on to a screen. In space. No one can hear you scream. Wow. If you were alive in 1978, in the spring, when I was 10 years old, you were treated to this preview of a coming attraction, one of the best movie trailers ever made. Trailers cast vision by creating curiosity and arousing emotions and revealing characters and and providing a glimpse into what the movie's about, into the storyline of the movie. A good movie stirs anticipation. A good movie trailer stirs anticipation, even if it's a bad movie. A bad movie trailer and the movie is dead before it ever hits theaters or streams, even if it was a great movie. I have a simple question for you this morning. I actually gave this assignment to our staff a few weeks ago. If you were going to make an Oscar-worthy movie to capture the mission of Orchard Hill Church, what would you include in that trailer? I'm not talking about some movie starring Kirk Cameron. All right, I want you to think Brad Pitt and Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Millie Bobby Brown and Zendaya, Tom Holland, right? Now... What storylines and themes are you going to feature? What shots are a must? What music do you choose? What should the trailer for Orchard Hill Church look like? I've been thinking a lot about this actually lately, especially as I've begun to do a little more counseling outside of the church. And I encounter a number of people in these settings who just don't have a faith. They, they don't profess any faith. Some of them just didn't grow up 
with it. Some of them have never been exposed. Some of them have had actually some negative experiences or interactions with churches or Christians. But as I sit and listen to some of them share their stories and I sit with them in their pain or their grief, sometimes their despair and their hopelessness, I feel like I'm trying to help them with one arm tied behind my back because we don't have this commonality of faith that can be so helpful. Obviously, there's ways to help them without that. You can find their strengths and other resources and things. But I've just become more and more aware of what a valuable gift faith is. I'm not saying that faith keeps me from feeling pain or grief or sometimes falling into despair or feeling hopeless. But faith really, really matters in those times. Our faith reminds me that I'm not going to be left there. Faith reminds me that I am not alone. Faith in Jesus tells me that there is always hope. And that gets me really, really excited about our mission here at Orchard Hill Church, helping next generations encounter and follow Jesus to bless a broken world so that people can actually experience Jesus and receive the gift of faith. Because as I, as I listen to people's stories, I get, the, I get the impression that a lot of these people without faith just haven't encountered Jesus yet. They haven't encountered Jesus in church. They haven't encountered Jesus with Christians. Instead of Jesus, many of them have encountered people who seem much more focused on rules than a relationship. People who are much more interested in sharing their social or political views or agendas than sharing their lives. People who seemed fearful, more fearful and angry than hopeful and joyful. So it's no wonder these people maybe are not interested in our faith or rejected our faith because that trailer stinks. The Apostle Paul tells us that if we really want others to experience Jesus, the only thing that matters, the only thing that resonates is a faith that expresses itself in love. He actually wrote this to a church in Galatia that he had started, and it started out really, really well until some people from another church came around and convinced the Galatians that they were focused on the wrong priorities. They told the Galatians that they weren't being religious enough. Their rules were too laxed. They weren't loving God correctly. And Paul says, you know what? I grew up in a church just like that. I used to live like them. I believed like them. In fact, I was really good at living my life this way until I encountered Jesus. And it changed my life. I experienced new life with God that was unimaginable. See, he set me free from the burden of all that religious stuff, all those demands, and invited me to do life with him, invited me to be part of his family. And then Paul says, you know, after this encounter, I actually went to verify it, to check out that what my experience was, was similar to those who had walked with Jesus, who had known Jesus when he was alive. 
I went to Peter and John and James, Jesus' own brother. I said, I want to make sure that my experience lines up with what you know of Jesus and that my understanding of what Jesus was telling me matches what Jesus taught you. And they said to him, this is exactly the Jesus we know. In fact, you should go and share your story with everybody you can, especially those who don't know God and don't change a thing about your story. So Paul did. And here was his message to the Galatians. He said, we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. What's important is faith expressing itself in love. There it is. Faith expressing itself in love is what's important. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up by this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. See, Paul explains that anytime we try to make ourselves or others right with God, by demanding people follow a set of religious rules, we're cut off from Jesus. We are outside of God's grace. We're producing a bad movie trailer. We want a preview that will draw people to our faith. We need to remain in Jesus and under God's grace. In other words, if we're serious about putting our faith into practice, our highest priority is for our faith to express itself in love. One rule, love your neighbors as yourself. These churches Paul was writing to, they got this message. And they embraced these real world, tangible expressions of sacrificial love and as they did, they gained the attention of their neighbors and their family and their friends and their coworkers, and they began to change patterns in the church and in the workplace and in the world. I believe right now, right now, just like in Paul's day, what the next generation needs more than anything is a picture of our faith, real faith expressing itself in love. Like Paul said, it's the only kind of faith that resonates. It stands in such stark contrast to making sure that everybody's political views are lined up. For Paul, faith expressing itself in love wasn't about leading a cultural war or demanding that others believe all the right beliefs or see God in the exact same way as he did. Faith expressing itself in love 
is so different than making sure that everyone is clear on the rules or shares the same social agenda. Man, this is hard for us, isn't it? At least it's hard for me. I spent the first week of August on a family trip. Um, all of our kids, some friends, uh, my son brought his girlfriend. Uh, eventually we joined up with like 7,000 of my father-in-law's family, the Klepfers. Good people, a lot of them. Before we left, my wife and I decided to send an email out just to, or a text just to our, our immediate family and the people on, on our trip and said, you know what, let's, um, let's try to put a boundary around some of our conversations. Let's not talk about controversial topics, things that we know are going to upset people. Let's just try to really enjoy one another. And it mostly worked. <laughs> mostly. On the last day, my wife and I uh, were both triggered by something one of our <laughs> kids said to us. And uh, I spent the next hour on a hike trying to convince, and my child tried to convince me why my perspective, their perspective, was more right. And I'm guessing that people around us who were hiking with their families really enjoyed the passionate debate that they could hear, right? They wanted to join in, I'm sure. It wasn't exactly a life-giving love fest. Why is it so hard to deny my need to correct my adult children's perspectives when they don't line up with my own? Why is it so hard to take a curious approach and ask more questions? Maybe this faith expressing itself in love thing isn't as soft as some of us think it is. Maybe it's actually really challenging. Maybe it's so challenging we can't do it or we can't do it well without the help of Jesus or his spirit at work in us. Paul actually concludes that little section of scripture to the Galatians this way. He says, if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. He wrote something really similar to this to the church in Philippi, telling them that if they would do everything without complaining and arguing, they would live such clean lives that they would begin to shine like stars in a world full of crooked and brokenness. Believing or being right doesn't make us shine. Educating someone on social media about why they're wrong or how wrong they are does not make us shine. Arguing or complaining about why Republicans or why Democrats are leading this country into a hole certainly does not make us shine. It makes for great entertainment. And it might win us some likes or you know, kind of fuel a campaign. But our country, our culture has made a national pastime out of biting and devouring people. This does not make our faith shine. It makes for a really dark movie trailer. I look ahead to the coming year for Orchard Hill Church. I think about things like midterm elections, 
the uncertainty of the economy, COVID just doesn't seem to go away ever. Like there's all kinds of challenges ahead. I think about our people in Black Hawk County and Bramer County, Grundy County. I think about our partners and I see another challenging year ahead. I also see countless opportunities for us to shine if we will express our faith in love. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, like it, it's not an option, right? This is a requirement for us. Paul actually took his direction from Jesus, who gave his followers a new command. He said, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Love wasn't a new command. Love each other as I have loved you. That was a new command. In fact, Paul refers to this command as the law of Christ. And in every letter Paul wrote to the churches, he lays out example after example, story after story of what it looks like to love others as Christ loved us. He says things like carry one another's burdens in the same way that Jesus carried your burden of sin to the cross. He says, uh, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and bear with one another and forgive each other just as Christ forgives you. Love isn't boastful, it's not proud, it's not rude, it doesn't demand its own way. Love keeps no record of wrongs, it never gives up, it always hopes, it never fails. He goes on and on. When followed as the law of Christ, love denies itself to serve others sacrificially. That kind of love requires that we ask ourselves some questions daily. Like, how do I love my wife the way Jesus loves me? When I experience unjustified criticism or rejection or betrayal, how do I respond to that person with the love of Jesus? What does it look like to put that person's needs ahead of my own, the same way Jesus does for me? You know, it's not only what Jesus wants from his followers, it's what Jesus commands of his followers. It's what our broken world needs desperately and I think expects from those who are following Jesus. This is the mandatory featured material that has to be in our trailer. And I'm so thankful like Jesus didn't say, you need to go out and fix the world. You need to go out and fix broken people. Like, that could never happen. Like, we'd never even agree on where to start, would we? He said, go and love the world. Go and love others the way I loved you. Enter the mess. Encourage those people who seem a little lost. Give some rest to those people who are tired. Show some compassion and help meet the needs of people around you. Gently, gently share some grace-filled truth. Wash some dirty, gross feet. Forgive and show kindness to our enemies. 
I'm so thankful for Orchard Hill Church because I look around and I see so many examples of this, so many people actually shining like stars in our broken world. We've got some real people, real pictures, and one of those pictures that comes to my mind as I think about this is Bob Brown. Um, You may recognize Bob as the uh, handsome gentleman who greets some of you when you come in off of the South parking lot on a Sunday morning. Bob is 91 years old. And uh, he's been a member of Orchard for 27 years, and he's famous for having hosted these Christmas meals for people who are alone on Christmas. He did this for over 30 years. But around here, he's famous for something else. He's famous for mentoring married couples in our church. He and his wife, Judy, were married for 56 years, and he lost her about four years ago. They, uh, they didn't have a perfect marriage. He'd tell you, he'd be the first one to tell you. They had challenges, but they overcame them, and they had a good marriage. And they decided that they wanted to help other people overcome their challenges. And so Bob often asks now for the hardest challenges, the people in the biggest crisis that he can, that he can mentor them. As of last time I checked this week, Bob has mentored 99 couples in this church. He's sitting back right there, right now. I think we should give him a hand for that. Bob, you're definitely making the cut in my movie trailer. I mean, that's the law of Christ. That's putting his faith in action, using his life experience to bless some others. Loving others the way Jesus has loved him. One of the unique things about Orchard Hill Church is that this vision is actually reflected in our missional marks. Missional marks are just kind of the way that we measure whether we are actually accomplishing or making progress in our mission. And I can look at these for myself. I can look at these for others in the church and say, are they showing up more in my life? Are they showing up more in the lives of people who call Orchard their home? And if so, then we are on track moving in the right direction on this mission. And if not, maybe we need to tweak something. But our mission is all about faith that expresses itself in love. First, it's in the way we receive God's love. Living in his grace without the need for for others' approval. And then expressing that love back to God and to ourselves by taking time to be with God, to, to accept his forgiveness, to trust his guidance and direction by living according to his word. And that love begins to flow outward to each other and to our neighbors in tangible expressions of love as we meet others' needs by sharing our resources. We show respect and hospitality to other people. We see people and we value them. But it doesn't stop there because Jesus' command didn't stop there either. So our missional marks go one step further. We demonstrate love for our enemies. We pray for them. We set aside our differences and our agendas to listen to people who are different than us, to learn about them, to learn from them. Sometimes we have to forgive or be forgiven, just as Jesus did for us. It's a big vision. It's a little bit idealistic, I'll acknowledge. But imagine the people who would want to know what was going on at Orchard Hill Church and check it out for themselves if they saw this trailer. How will you 
commit to expressing your faith in love this year. You know, maybe you take a look around and you see just how many kids are running around here on a Sunday morning. Maybe you've already raised your kids and you remember that somebody was there to care for your kids and introduce your kids to Jesus so that you could be here and grow your faith. And you think, you know what, I want to help other families that way. I want to go join our kids' ministry and help them so that other people can have an encounter with Jesus on Sunday morning. Maybe it's saying, I'm just going to make sure that I don't contribute or add to the division and the darkness that I see so often on social media. I'm just going to stay out of that, stay above the fray in all of that. Maybe it's setting aside some time or taking time away from your work or from your fun to help a neighbor or coworker in need or to say, you know what, I'm going to go and help on a Habitat build help people in my community, or maybe a youth art team project some weekend? What if you took just a couple extra minutes to show grace to a student in your class that doesn't deserve it? Or to show empathy to a client or to your boss or a coworker who desperately needs it? You know, every expression of sacrificial love is a declaration of our faith. What's your vision of faith expressing itself in love? Can you picture it? What are you doing in that vision? What are others around you experiencing in that vision? On a scale of one to 10, how much is that vision being lived out in your life? Put a number to it. And what would it look like if you were to commit to bumping up that number by one spot or even a half a number this year? Imagine what might happen if the people of Orchard Hill Church chose to commit to expressing faith in love by just one more number during this school year. I think it would make for a pretty incredible movie trailer. Can you pray with me? Father, we, uh, we do talk a lot about love at Orchard Hill Church. And I think that that's a good thing. And I think it's a good reminder for us. Because as we see in your word, it is the one command that you give to your followers. It is the one aspect of our faith that resonates with the people around us. God, will you give us a vision? Each of us individually, we give us as a, as a church collectively, Lord, the picture of what it looks like for us to love those around us maybe just a little more this year as an expression of our faith that they might come and wonder what is this faith about? Who is this Jesus? And they might actually encounter you and their lives be changed. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.